we're talking about his pain, our gain is our our series this week or this month leading into Easter. Last week, we talked about betrayal. This week, we're going to talk about the pain of rejection. And nobody in this room has ever experienced the pain of rejection. I'm sure. Like as soon as I said that, some of you had flashbacks. Listen, I'm kind of I'm, I'm kind of on the shorter side, but I loved playing basketball growing up, and I was always the shortest one on the court. And many times, even though I thought I was pretty awesome, many times I was one of the last few that were picked uh, because I was on the short side, and the pain of rejection was real, right? And there's so many different reasons we would experience this pain. But as we go through this morning, well, we'll, what we'll come to find out if we don't already, and maybe there's just the work that the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives, is that when Jesus went to the cross, he also bore our pain, pain of betrayal, as we talked about last week, and the pain of rejection, as we're talking about this week. So listen, rejection is an extremely hard thing to experience. It has the potential of wounding us deeply and can cause long-term pain if healing isn't received. And I, I say it that way because healing is always available. It's always available. No matter what pain you experience, healing through Jesus is always available to us. So you may have experienced rejection as a child today, still carrying memories and scars. Uh, I don't want to get real technical or scientific or, or, or medical, but it was important to us when we were bringing foster kids in the house, ironically. I wanted to understand more of what I was seeing happen because I grew up in a home and I was blessed. I mean, I had loving parents uh, that that raised me loving Jesus and loving each other. And, and I was required to behave. Anybody else in the room, you were required and we won't get into how they required that or what happened when you didn't. But I had these kids come into our house and I didn't understand like the reasons they were acting out. My mind was totally different beforehand because if I saw a kid acting up in Walmart, Brandy hated, hated when I did this, but I'd be walking by and I'd be like, spank them. Spank them. I mean, I, nobody, else, nobody else would ever think that besides me. After I started bringing foster kids in the house, I, I started thinking the parents needed to be spanked. And the, the, as these kids were acting out, they were acting out. Be, don't laugh. I actually used a very similar illustration one time when I was speaking in Cornelius. It was about my kid being hurt on the playground. And uh, because my mind has shifted in the way that I think, I would typically want to... Sp- this kid ran over my son. He was riding a bike. He ran over my son, and my son had to... Let me calm down. Had to get stitches. And so, uh, you know, five or six years ago, ten years ago, I would have said spank the kid. And so anyways, from stage, I'm like, I didn't want to spank the kid. I wanted to spank his mom. And there was a bunch of laughter. And I'm like, you got to get your mind out of the gutter. I'm trying to... I'm trying to... I didn't want to spank the mom like that... Let me get back on track, because I, I have a limited amount of time this morning, so they tell me. So I, we started to have these kids come in, and, and the way that they were acting, I wanted to understand why they were acting. I mean, I knew the abuse that they were experiencing. I knew what was happening, sometimes visible, right, when they came to the home. But as I, as I wanted to understand more, like, one, for me, I needed to understand it so that I could help. That's just the way that I was thinking. But let me, let me read just something for you, medically or scientifically, when it comes to this, this pain of rejection. Studies using MRI brain scans have shown that the same region of the brain that is activated while experiencing physical pain is also activated while experiencing emotional pain, like rejection. However, there's an interesting difference to be noted when it comes to reliving emotional pain. 
When it comes to reliving emotional pain, we feel it much more deeply. How many of you were hurt pretty severely, maybe even growing up? Maybe you broke your arm or broke a leg. Like the only thing that I ever broke was my big toe. I broke my big toe, and let me tell you why. Because I got angry on the basketball court and kicked the basketball pole. And, and broke my big toe. That was the only thing I ever, ever broke. How many, of you, how many of you had a severe injury growing up when you were young? Five, six, maybe ten? Yeah. When we think about that, like we, remember, we remember that it hurt, but we don't necessarily go to a place, and our brains are, are proof of this, like we don't go to a, a place where we are reliving that pain. In some cases you might, especially if it was extremely severe and, and, and maybe long term. But when it comes to emotional pain, every one of us in this room, when we start to relive emotional pain, the parts of our brain that handle that begin to light up and we begin to actually feel that pain. So when it comes to this pain of rejection, many times, even as adults, we relive this and sometimes we, we relive this over and over and over. So that's the importance of, as we walk through this morning, reaching out to Jesus and, and asking him to heal whatever pain is there. And let me say this. Sometimes we go through these messages, and you might be thinking, I don't know, this doesn't really apply to me. Like, I don't. But what God can teach us is how do we minister to others. So if this doesn't apply to you, lean in, because God wants to show you what's happening in other people so that we can minister love and grace and mercy and healing to them. So you may have felt rejected by a teacher or a friend, you may have been the last one chosen when teams were being picked, or maybe that was just me. You may have felt rejected by a parent, someone close. Maybe you've had an interview for a job and you didn't get it, or maybe you were up for a promotion and you watched somebody else get it. Like These are all ways that even we as adults experience rejection. Rejection, this pain, can come from so many Different angles. And this morning we want to draw comfort to the fact that Jesus, upon the cross, he bore the pain even of rejection. He experienced it himself. Isaiah 53 3 says this Speaking of Jesus, he was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows acquainted with deepest grief. We're talking about Jesus here. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. So I just wanted to look up the word despised just to see what that uh, meant. I mean, I have a, an idea, but this is what despised means. It means a judgment that something or someone is not worthy of attention or respect. Listen, for, for years, Jesus, we talked about it with betrayal, but for your years, Jesus lived closely with the very people who are now rejecting him. I mean, can we think about what Jesus went through? Like he, he was giving his life, not just on the cross, but every moment of every day of his life, he was giving his life for those around him. Today, we would say he gave every moment of his life for us. He healed the sick. He fed those that were hungry. He, he offered grace and compassion to those who needed grace and compassion. And then when it comes to the crucifixion, the very people that he was giving all of that to, giving his life for, was actually, was actually hollering out and asking that someone who was guilty of a crime be set free instead of Jesus. But think about that for just a moment. You're about to die, and you know how you're about to die, and the very people that you love so deeply and care for so much are the ones that are asking that a, 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 a criminal be set free and that his life would be spared, yet Jesus' life would be crucified. That's the rejection that Jesus experienced. 
So we have to understand that man, when we talk about rejection, Jesus experienced it more than anybody else that I know. Yet he, upon the cross, offers this healing for us. So why is rejection so painful and sometimes debilitating? Let's go through a few points. The first one is this. Rejection opens our lives to the deception of the enemy. We're familiar with this verse. Look at John 10.10. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. So Jesus is explaining that the enemy is here to steal, kill, and destroy. He's looking for opportunities for you to experience pain, and he seizes every one of them, right? But then Jesus says his purpose is to give us a rich and satisfying life. Can we understand this about the enemy? And the reason I don't want to just say Satan or the devil is because there's just one of him. And most likely he's not on any one of our backs, even though we say that. I'm like, the devil's on my back. Out of seven billion people in the world, he chose. But when I say the enemy, I'm talking about like, the, the fallen angels, his cohorts, uh, they're very smart. They've been around for a really long time. They do watch us. They do learn about us. They're pretty, they're pretty smart, right? So when I say the enemy, that's what I'm talking about. But you, did you know that the only power that the enemy has over you is to deceive you? When you're walking in Jesus, listen, you've been set free. You've been, you've been set free from the control and the power of the enemy. The only way that he has power over you is when we believe the lies that he continues to speak to us. Right. Thank you. Yeah. I might end like 10 minutes earlier. <laughs> Woo. Right? That's the, that's the only power he has. But he is looking for those Opportunities. So, so much like a lion, even from getting it from that verse, much like a lion looking for a wounded animal to pounce on, he sees you when you're hurting it, and he takes advantage of your pain every time. Every time. The desire of the enemy is to keep you bound by pain so you don't experience what we saw in that verse in John 10.10, which is a rich and satisfying life. That's what Jesus has to offer us. Look at the second point. Rejection reinforces feelings of inadequacy or unworthiness we have about ourselves. Man, I could go on and on and on about these next few points uh, about us, even as adults, feeling this this feeling of inadequacy and unworthiness. But listen, rejection sends us on a mission to seek and destroy our self-esteem. We often respond to rejection by finding fault in ourselves, bemoaning all of our inadequacies. Kicking ourselves when you're already down and smacking our self-esteem into a pulp. Blaming ourselves and attacking our self-worth only deepens the emotional pain we feel and makes it harder for us to recover. For me, like I dealt with this very thing over and over growing up because I always felt like if I, if I was not perfect, if I didn't perform uh, in a certain way that I was a failure. There was like no in-between. I didn't understand the learning process. Like the first time I jumped on a bike, I wanted to ride the bike. And if I didn't ride the bike and fell, I was a failure. So for me, growing up, like I felt this over and over and over. And the enemy loves this. He waits for us to begin to experience just a bit of pain and rejection. And then he pounces on us to compound that pain. And we just begin to look at ourselves and find all of our faults. Does anybody in the room have faults? Anybody besides... Okay, there's a few. There's a few that didn't, and I just want, I want to talk to you guys afterwards. They won't be the one at the altar call. 
No, I'm kidding. We, we all have faults, right? And what the enemy wants us to do, as soon as we start to feel that pain, he wants us to see all of them, right? And not see that God works even in the midst of our weaknesses and, and, and not see that God takes those things and redeems them and strengthens them. He, the enemy wants us to continue to focus on all the ways that we fail. Look at the third thing. Fear of rejection keeps us from developing healthy relationships. Man, what a scheme of the enemy. He, he, he does not want us to experience healthy relationships. Reje- rejection destabilizes our need to belong. We all have a fundamental need to belong to a group. When we get rejected, this need becomes destabilized, and the disconnection we feel adds to our emotional pain. Right? When, you, when you feel this pain of rejection, you start to isolate yourself from others. You don't just feel rejected by one person or a few people that were in the circumstance. You start to feel rejected from everyone, right? And this is what the enemy wants us to feel. He wants us to be isolated. He wants us not to. We talked about it last week. God wants us to carry each other's burdens, and Satan wants to separate us. The enemy wants to separate us so that 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 can't happen, right? So let me tell you real quickly, I don't have a lot of time, but I want to bring you into my own story. If, you were, if you've been here on Wednesday nights, by the way, which have been awesome, you need to be here on Wednesday nights. I, I shared a little bit of my story, but before I turned one years old, my, my biological father left. Left me and my sister and my mom, and so I don't, I don't know my biological father. In fact, it was just about a year and a half ago uh, when my dad, who raised me and, and adopted me, when he started to experience some heart I- issues, my sister and I wanted to find my biological father just for, for some medical history. But my, my bio dad, when he left, like he didn't want to have anything, anything to do with us. And here we are as an, as an adult, and we're reaching out to him just to get some medical information. And he didn't want to meet with us because he didn't want his new wife and his new family, his new son, to find out about me. So growing up, I didn't realize how much I was dealing with this pain of rejection, and so for me, as soon as just a little bit of that pain started to be experienced, man, I would begin to act out. I would portray myself as the strongest one in the room, right? Because I would experience this pain over and over. And it wasn't until I was a young adult, in fact, it was probably only about 15 years ago, uh, that I was set free from experiencing this pain over and over and over. Even though people that I, that I know and love me would say, hey, you might be dealing with, and I'm like, no. I mean, I don't even know the guy. I don't have, I wasn't, one, I wasn't even, one, I don't have the memory of that. But I had the knowledge of it, and that knowledge for me caused a ton of pain. And here it, it was, it was re- rooted in rejection. So if I, if I was on the baseball field, I had to be the best on the baseball field. If I was playing football, I had to be the best. And if if you were better than me, then I was probably going to try to hurt you. (laughs) Right? That's just the things that I was dealing with over and over and over because of this pain of rejection. And it wasn't until a decade, just over a decade ago, that I was set free from this. So I know that even as adults, even some things we don't have the, the clear memories of, we could still be carrying this pain around. So let's talk about moving beyond rejection. I mean, let's first acknowledge that we all experience that, and maybe that some in the room are still carrying the pain from that, but let's talk about moving beyond rejection. The first thing that we have to do is this, acknowledge what you're feeling. Guys, raise your hand if you're a fella in the room, and you have, you have a hard time just acknowledging what you're feeling. Anybody besides myself? Well, and maybe some ladies too. 
have that, that experience. And sometimes I can tell you I'm feeling something, but I can't really pinpoint what I'm feeling. And for me growing up, again, because of this pain and rejection, like everything that I felt turned to anger. If I was scared, it would turn to anger. If I was hurt, it turned to anger. If I was depressed, it turned to anger. Listen, we, we have to acknowledge that we're feeling, at least, fellas, we have to at least acknowledge that we're feeling something. Now, Holy Spirit, help me with this. Help me figure out what exactly I'm feeling. And it, it might seem impossible for us dudes, but help me also to be able to communicate that in a healthy way. Look at 1 Peter 5, 7. It says this, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares for you. One thing that I had to realize is whenever I was experiencing those things, those types of pain, it, it meant that I wasn't handing that over to God. And man, I love to now. I love to anytime I'm experiencing this, this pain of rejection or even the sense of that. It happened just the other day because for the first time in a long time, I went up to, uh, to the gym in Cornelius on, on a Monday night to play basketball. I happened to be on the winning team, and so we stayed out there. However, my one contribution was to take one shot and airball it. <laughs> right? And, and I'm telling you, even in the moment, it was like, man. I was going to say a different word that I probably shouldn't say. You stink. Right? I, as soon as it happened, it was like, man, everybody's laughing. Like, I started to battle with this. And it was amazing to me because in the moment I thought, dude, you're still not over all that? Like, that's crazy to me. But it shows you how real it is. And when I, when I notice those things now, literally I'm running down the court and I'm just giving that silliness over to God. Right? So the first thing is we have to acknowledge what we feel. Man, those feelings are real. They're real. The second thing is this. Don't believe the lie that you're not valuable. 1 John 3, 1 says this. See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. Listen, you have to know that you are valuable. Your notes in the worship guide say a little bit different thing. Um, I don't know that it's accurately stated in your worship guide. You are invaluable. So in your worship guide, it should say, don't believe a lie, period. You're invaluable. Man, can we let that sink in? You're invaluable. In fact, there's nothing in God's eyes that are more valuable than you. And he would go to each one of us in this room and he would say the very same thing. You're my favorite. There's nothing more valuable than you. There's nothing more valuable. God would roam through the room. He would look us in our eyes. He would probably embrace us because that's how I picture our father. And he would say to us, man, you're the most important thing. You're the most valuable. So don't believe the lie when it comes over and over and over again that you're not valuable because you are. In fact, you're so valuable that God gave his only son to pay the price for you because he wanted to have a relationship with you. Right? Isn't that amazing? That's how valuable you are. So don't believe the lie that you're not. The third thing is this. Refuse to let rejection define you. Man, it's so easy. That's what happened with me. It, it, it wasn't just that I, I didn't perform well enough. I was a failure. I would let that define me. I was a failure. I was a failure. I was a failure. And refuse to allow that to happen. Psalms 139, 13, and 14 says this. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. 
Listen to this. I love this line. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. In Ephesians 2.10, one of my favorite verses says that you are God's masterpiece. There's nothing more valuable than you. You are God's masterpiece. So let that define you. Let that truth, let that reality define you when you begin to experience any type of pain of rejection. If the worship team will come on up, we're going we're gonna to go through one more point, and we're going to close with a worship song and a, and a prayer time. But listen to this last Listen to this last point. It's so important for us today. And I think the, the younger you are, maybe the more important it is to us. But remember the, the one opinion that matters most, and that's God's. Remember the one opinion that matters most. Jeremiah 31.3, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love. With unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. Listen, Jesus knew what was coming. He knew rejection was coming. He knew what he would have to walk through to get to the cross. Yet he never wavered. He walked the path to Calvary for us. Why? Because his opinion matters most. In this, in this day and age of social media, while social media can be such a powerful tool, I use it. I have made a declaration, a decision for my own life to say I will never post anything negative on social media. Never. I've even come to a place where I don't even respond in argument or debate with someone in social media. I won't post anything negative because the way that the enemy is able to use social media, especially in the lives of our young people, but you as well. Because many of you would raise your hand to say, man, every time I put a post, I keep going back to see who's going to respond and what they're going to say. Why? Because their opinion matters to you. And that's okay. It's all right if, if you have that feeling that people around you, you know what, Brandy's opinion of me matters a ton, a lot, but it doesn't matter most. God's opinion of me matters most. Yet we have this social media, these platforms now where we only put out our best stuff. You know what I'm talking about. Because none of us, none of us go on social media like, man, me and my wife, we got in this really big argument tonight and she doesn't know it yet, but she's wrong. Well, I mean, if you're smart, you don't put that up. (laughs) None of us do that. None of us hardly ever get get online and say, man, today was extremely difficult. I don't ever want to relive this day. It was nothing but struggle after struggle, and I felt so much pain. It was horrible. We don't do that. No, we post pictures that we, we doctor and... We, we even use, there's apps that even live Zoom. How many of you have used Zoom in the past year and a half, right? Zoom actually has a little switch that makes you look better. Did you know that? <laughs> and it works because I use it. <laughs> it hides all the blemishes. It makes your skin look smoother and younger. Zoom has that. I'm not all up to date with the Instagrams and the Snapchats and the TikToks and whatever, everything else that's out there, but they all have it. We know that people are making themselves look a lot better than they are. If I was better with Photoshop, I probably would do the same thing. 
Right? Why? Because we've gotten to this place where people's opinions matter way too much. And we have to understand that God's opinion matters most. And maybe even just his opinion. We're locked into this place where, where everybody else's opinion. Why? Because when, when, we, when we don't see the comments that we want to see or the praise that we want to see, we feel rejected. We feel this pain. And then a lot of times this brings up the pain from the past. We have to understand this morning that God's opinion matters most. And we know, we see it over and over in Scripture. I wish I could take the next hour and just read through Scriptures of God's opinion of you. Because it's much higher than your opinion of yourself. I mean, let's think about this for a minute. God never loves you less. Never. There's never a moment that God looks at you and says, "Eh, I don't love them like I did 15 minutes ago. Or last year, there's never a moment because we've messed up, and that's real, right? That we mess up and God goes, eh, I wish you hadn't have done that because, man, it just, it, it just never happened. His opinion of you never is less than the moment he gave his son to die on the cross for you. His, never, his, his opinion is never less than that moment. I mean, that's incredible to me. That gives me freedom to say, you know what, I might mess up and I might mess up over and over and over again. But I don't have to experience the pain of rejection. I don't have to care what other people say about me or think about me. When I look to God and see how he values me and he never values me less, I'm always, always worth the death of his son. Man, that's incredible to me. Let's close our eyes. So I think this, this is speaking and touching on so many different levels in our lives. And because of the circumstances that you have, you might be sensing something different or hearing something different or feeling something different than the person next to you. And that's awesome because that's how God moves. Right? He's here and he meets you right where you're at. And he meets the person next to you and behind you and front, in front of you right where they're at. And God wants to, to minister healing to us. This morning, whatever pain you're carrying around of this rejection, maybe even as I talked about social media, you thought and we were laughing, but that's that's real. Maybe you thought, man, this is me and I've got to get away from that because it's actually destroying parts of my life and relationships that I have with people. And, and if anything, it, it destroys my perception of me seeing myself the way that God sees me. So maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you're like me, and, and maybe there's some deeper pain from when you were a child of facing rejection. Maybe it was last week. Maybe it was yesterday. We all experience this, but God wants us to walk free of it. And the reason he wants us to walk free of it is because when we're free of it, our relationship with him grows deeper and stronger, and we understand him more and more. So if you struggle with the pain of rejection, man, would you, as we get into this next uh, or this last worship song, would you allow us to pray with you? If you bought into the lie that you're not valuable or you're unworthy, could you, could you come forward in just a few moments and let us pray with you? And then this too, even as we're talking, if you're in the room and you've never given your heart to Jesus, 
if you've never made the choice to follow him, could you, could you make that decision this morning? Come up and, and allow one of us to pray with you. If our prayer team could come forward. Listen, God's wanting to minister on so many different levels in so many different ways. Could we listen to that? Listen to those promptings? And, and if that's you this morning and you want somebody to pray with you, as we sing this last song, could you just come up front and, and have, one of our, have one of our team praying for you? They, they wanted to be here this morning to pray with you. Right? We said it last week. I mentioned it again. As the family of God, as people of God, we're supposed to allow others to help carry the burdens that we have. This morning that means the pain of rejection, whatever that is for you.